Prepare in the proper way. The principal speaker at a New York Rotary Club luncheon several years ago was a prominent government official. We were looking forward to hearing him describe the activities of his department. It was obvious almost at once that he had not planned his speech. At first, he tried to talk impromptu. Failing in that attempt, he pulled out of his pocket a sheaf of notes which evidently had no more order than a flat car full of scrap iron. He fumbled a while with these, all the time becoming more embarrassed and inept in his delivery. Minute by minute, he became more helpless, more bewildered, but he kept on foundering, apologizing, trying to make some semblance of sense out of his notes and raising a glass of water with a trembling hand to his parched lips. He was a sad picture of a man completely overcome by fright due to almost total lack of preparation. He finally sat down, one of the most humiliated speakers I have ever seen. He made his talk as Russo says a love letter should be written. He began without knowing what he was going to say and finished without knowing what he had said. Since 1912, it has been my professional duty to evaluate over 5,000 talks a year. From that experience, one great lesson stands out like Mount Everest, towering above all the others. Only the prepared speaker deserves to be confident. How can anyone ever hope to storm the fortress of fear if he goes into battle with defective weapons or with no ammunition at all? I believe, said Lincoln, that I shall never be old enough to speak without embarrassment when I have nothing to say. If you want to develop confidence, why not do the one thing that will give you security as a speaker? Perfect love, wrote the Apostle John, casteth out fear. So does perfect preparation. Daniel Webster said he would as soon think of appearing before an audience half-clothed as half-prepared. By perfect preparation, do I mean that you should memorize your talk? To this question, I give back a thunderous no. In their attempts to protect their egos from the dangers of drawing a mental blank before an audience, many speakers fall headlong into the trap of memorization. Once a victim of this type of mental dope addiction, the speaker is hopelessly bound to a time-consuming method of preparation that destroys effectiveness on the platform. When H.V. Calterborn, the Dean of American News Commentators, was a student at Harvard University, he took part in a speech contest. He selected a short story entitled, Gentlemen, the King. He memorized it word for word and rehearsed it hundreds of times. The day of the contest, he announced the title, Gentlemen, the King. Then his mind went blank. It not only went blank, it went blank. He was terrified. In desperation, he started telling the story in his own words. He was the most surprised boy in the hall when the judges gave him first prize. From that day to this, H.V. Caltonborn has never read nor memorized the speech. That has been the secret of success in his broadcasting career. He makes a few notes and talks naturally to his listeners without a script. The man who writes out and memorizes his talks is wasting his time and energy and courting disaster. All our lives we have been speaking spontaneously. We haven't been thinking of words. We have been thinking of ideas. If our ideas are clear, the words come as naturally and unconsciously as the air we breathe. Even Winston Churchill had to learn that lesson the hard way. As a young man, 
Churchill wrote out and memorized his speeches. Then one day, while delivering a memorized talk before the British Parliament, he stopped dead in his mental tracks. His mind went blank. He was embarrassed, humiliated. He began his last sentence all over again. Again, his mind went blank and his face scarlet. He sat down. From that day to this, Winston Churchill has never attempted to deliver a memorized talk. If we memorize our talk word for word, we will probably forget it when we face our listeners. Even if we do not forget our memorized talk, we will probably deliver it in a mechanical way. Why? Because it will not come from our hearts, but from our memories. When talking with people privately, we always think of something we want to say. And then we go ahead and say it without thinking of words. We have been doing that all our lives. Why attempt to change it now? If we do write out and memorize our talks, we may have the same experience that Vance Bushnell had. Vance was a graduate of the Beaux-Arts School in Paris and later became vice president of one of the largest insurance companies in the world, the Equitable Life Assurance Society. Years ago, he was asked to address a conference of 2,000 Equitable Life representatives from all over America at a meeting in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. At that time, he had been in the life insurance business for only two years, but he had been highly successful, so he was scheduled to make a 20-minute talk. Vance was delighted to do so. He felt it would give him prestige. But, unfortunately, he wrote out and memorized his talk. He rehearsed 40 times in front of a mirror. He had everything down pat. Every phrase, every gesture, every facial expression. It was flawless, he thought. However, when he stood up to deliver his address, he was terrified. He said, my part in this program is... His mind went blank. In his confusion, he took two steps backward and tried to start all over again. Again, his mind went blank. Again, he took two steps back and tried to start. He repeated this performance three times. The platform was four feet high. There was no railing at the back, and there was a space five feet wide between the back of the platform and the wall. So the fourth time he stepped back, he toppled backwards off the platform and disappeared into space. The audience howled with laughter. One man fell off his chair and rolled in the aisle. Never before nor since in the history of the Equitable Life Assurance Society has anyone ever given such a comic performance. The astonishing part of the story is that the audience thought it was really an act. The old-timers of the Equitable Life are still talking about his performance. But what about the speaker, Vance Bushnell? Vance Bushnell himself told me it was the most embarrassing occasion of his life. He felt so disgraced that he wrote out his resignation. Vance Bushnell's superiors persuaded him to tear up his resignation. They restored his self-confidence, and Vance Bushnell in later years became one of the most effective speakers in his organization. But he never memorized the talk again. Let us profit by his experience. I have heard countless scores of men and women try to deliver memorized talks, but I don't remember even one speaker 
who wouldn't have been more alive, more effective, more human if he had tossed his memorized talk into the waste basket. If he had done that, he might have forgotten some of his points. He might have rambled, but at least he would have been human. Abe Lincoln once said, I don't like to hear a cut and dried sermon. When I hear a man preach, I like to see him act as if he were fighting bees. Lincoln said he wanted to hear a speaker cut loose and get excited. No speaker ever acts as if he were fighting bees when he is trying to recall memorized words. Assemble and arrange your ideas beforehand. What then is the proper method of preparing a talk? Simply this, search your background for significant experiences that have taught you something about life and assemble your thoughts, your ideas, your convictions that have welled up from these experiences. True preparation means brooding over your topics. As Dr. Charles Reynold Brown said some years ago in a memorable series of lectures at Yale University, brood over your topic until it becomes mellow and expansive. Then put all these ideas down in writing, just a few words, enough to fix the idea. Put them down on scraps of paper. You will find it easier to arrange and organize these loose bits when you come to set your material in order. This doesn't sound like such a difficult program, doesn't it? It isn't. It just requires a little concentration and thinking to a purpose. Next, rehearse your talk with your friends. Should you rehearse your talk after you have it in some kind of order? By all means! Here is a surefire method that is easy and effective. Use the ideas you have selected for your talk and everyday conversation with your friends and business associates. Instead of going over the ball scores, just lean across the luncheon table and say something like this. You know, Joe, I had an unusual experience one day. I'd like to tell you about it. Joe will probably be happy to listen to your story. Watch him for his reactions. Listen to his response. He may have an interesting idea that may be valuable. He won't know that you are rehearsing your talk, and it really doesn't matter. But he probably will say that he enjoyed the conversation. Ellen Evans, the distinguished historian, gives similar advice to writers. Catch a friend who is interested in the subject and talk about what you have learned at length. In this way, you discover facts of interpretation that you might have missed, points of arguments that had been unrealized, and the form most suitable for the story you have to tell. <laughs>